Blog Talk Radio. I'm coming around to it. It makes games definitely 
much more interesting. Even if you don't win, it makes games much more interesting. But it's a brand-new season, brand-new year. And um, Harrison, you know, we're about to kick off the new season only in a couple of weeks uh, now. we got to talk about, you know, there's six new teams, you know, the two newest additions uh, to the AFL, none other than the Columbus Destroyers, which if you've been following the league for a while, you know this team has been brought back. This is not a, a brand-new team. This team has been have been has been around before with you know their former former quarterback used to be Matt Nagy who is now the head coach of Chicago Bears so this team is back in Columbus a smart move by the AFL to get back into that market and then we also have the Atlantic City Blackjacks which is this was another great move for the league and my opinion to continue to build up that uh, to continue to build up the exposure on the uh, Eastern Seaboard. Of you know of the, of the U.S. So uh, Harrison, just talk about how things have you know kind of progressed this off season because there was a there was a point in the off season where we were wondering and you know people on the message boards on Arena Fan and things like that you know there was a point where people were wondering you know is there going to be a, is, there, is there going to be a season you know who are going to be the expansion teams is there going to be any expansion are we going to just run with four teams again and have to deal with that but the AFL came through with two, I would say, with two solid uh, franchises, with both with great backings, and I think in, in, in solid markets and with, you know, pretty good, you know, head coaches. Yeah, I think um, Atlantic City is pretty cool for us. It's only like 45 minutes away from that Philly, South Jersey area. Um, so it's really cool to have another team right in our backyard. But that's a pretty cool market, too. I mean, there's a lot they can do there with it being right on the boardwalk. You have that foot traction anyway. There's already going to be a lot of people on the boardwalk doing other stuff. So that definitely leads to potential fans, potential people you can, you know, on the night of a game just attract to come in just from being on the boardwalk on a Saturday night in the summer. So I definitely like that side of it. The arena is really cool. It's going to be, you know, a different type of AFL arena. Um, Wells Fargo and the Verizon Center and Columbus's Nationwide Arena are all amazing arenas in their own respect for their NBA and NHL teams, but this is definitely a different type of arena. It's a different type of vibe. Um, the ceiling is really cool. There's a stage. It's right near the field, so there's a lot of things they can do with that. So I think Atlantic City will be a really fun market, and they obviously want to incorporate betting into a lot of things and where better than Atlantic City. So it definitely made a lot of sense for the league geographically as well. And they've done a nice job with their roster and uh, and the coaching staff with Ron James. So I like what Atlantic City's put together. And then you look at Columbus, it's one of those markets. It's similar to what they tried to do with Albany last year and just bringing something back that works. And I think that's definitely a good plan. And Columbus is a very supportive market. I went out to a game in Cleveland. I've never been to Columbus. But the Gladiators games, they were out in full support, 14,000 loud, on their feet, in-game, super supportive. So you can only imagine that that type of support would also come to Columbus. And I'm really excited to see what that arena is like because going to a game, an AFL game in an arena where the fans are really into it and they're really crazy and they love it, like Spokane was, uh, Albany has been these past few years. I'm assuming Columbus will be, Cleveland. I mean, you name it. There's been some good markets. But when you go to a game and that energy is up, there's definitely a difference. It feels like, one of those college basketball games, March Madness, where everyone – it's just – you can definitely feel the the uh, energy in the arena. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you're in Columbus, you know, right now this is a great time 
uh, as a sports fan with the Columbus Blue Jackets pulling up this pulling off the sweep over the number one seed uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So it was a great time to be a Columbus sports fan in general. And now you have the and now you have uh, the Destroyers, you know, coming in uh, about to start their season uh, very shortly. Um, people don't know Week One uh, games we have on that Friday night. We have DC versus Baltimore battle of a rematch of last year's Arena Bowl, which should be exciting. Uh, and also on Saturday, kicking off Saturday, we will have Atlantic City uh, versus Philly at the Wells Fargo Center at 3.30 start time, which is an interesting start time. Uh, the see it's rare that you get early season start time there early. And then for the nightcapper, it will be Columbus versus uh, Albany. Uh, right now, TV situations, as we know of, uh, regional networks will be, you know, taking care of the soul um, I'm with the NBC Sports Philly and with uh, DC Baltimore, probably the same thing. Uh, my mental sports don't know anything about a na- national uh, broadcast with, but cross our fingers that something will come down uh, the pipeline shortly. Like I said, it's going to be a 12 game season. Uh, four teams will advance to the playoff with the aggregate, and then hopefully we'll have a championship uh, crowned uh, at the end of this season, which I think will end in mid-August, if I'm not mistaken. Mid-August, late July. Yeah, probably something like that. Right around training camp. That's, that's when they usually end it. Right. So that's pretty much where things will kind of come to uh, come to an, uh, come to a culmination of sorts. But before we can even jump into looking at the players and the rosters, Harrison, you know, we got to talk about a couple of things that happened in the, in the, in the AFL uh, this year, like you said, the betting thing, you know, it's interesting how they incorporate that. I went on the AFL uh, website and get prepared for our first podcast, and I saw a nice little DraftKings logo, so it's interesting to see how they'll incorporate the betting aspect into AFL, into the AFL. But also, we have some new uniforms. The AFL got a, yeah. a fresh set of new threads from uh, Phenom Elite, which, as if people don't know, Phenom Elite has done a lot of work, you know, with a lot of other uh, indoor football league teams. Just looking at their, uh, looking at their Twitter account and things like that. They've done a lot of work with the, uh, uh, with a lot of indoor teams. You know, the AFL. I think they were under, if I'm not mistaken, Under Armour last year. I think the mm-hmm. AFL teams were under. So yeah. now they're going to Phenom Elite Harrison. Uh, what do you think about the new threads? You know, coming to a new season, brand new threads for everybody. Some look. Some look cooler than others, and some, you know, you got to warm up too. <laughs> well, Jovan subtweeting, but I, re- I really like the Phenom Elite brand. Um, I love the company. I actually worked for an indoor football team, and they supplied our jerseys, and jerseys had absolutely no problems, no rips, none of that. Everything fit. So I like them for that, and I think their gloves are really cool. Um, I love the Joker gloves they have and all that, and I know they did a bunch of. AFL custom gloves as well, so I definitely like the company. Oh, nice. I don't like all the jerseys they made, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, everybody has their different taste. Um, I know the jerseys right. will be a high quality just from working with them last year. I know they're not going to rip off in gameplay or have any issues like that. Um, I don't love the Sony logo on the jersey. Uh, it's too much for me, too many stripes. But I do like that they're back <laughs> to that like baby blue soul color. Um, I think that's definitely the yes. color they should go with. So maybe not all the way there, but took an all right step. And then the Valor and the Brigade per- stayed pretty solid, but they have good uniforms. Those uniforms were good in the mm-hmm. past. So I like the way they look. Albany's orange always looks good. The pants, I mean, everybody doesn't like the pants. Uh, I don't know. They're okay. 
I love the orange, though. That orange looks great on the field. It did last year, and I'm sure it will this year again. And did I miss anyone? Atlantic City looks clean. Columbus looks clean. I mean, they, they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. I like Fina Malik. I just didn't really like the solo uniform. Oh. Oh, yeah, Phenomont, like you said, Phenomont Lee did a great job. And like you said, first and foremost, the quality, you know, not having no rips or anything mm-hmm. like that, that's that's perfect because we know in our AFL and Justin's football in general, there's a lot of pushing and tugging and bowling and this way, that way, players getting ganked across the field, you know. So to have that good quality and for AFL to, you know, pick up this endorsement, I think it is huge and it works for both sides and both parties involved. So it should be interesting, you know, to see, you know, how this all plays how this uh all plays out and come to fruition. But since we just got through all the cosmetics and everything else I think about the AFL that I think we need to get to, let's talk about their rosters. As I said, there's Maybe. about six teams there's about six teams in uh in this year's league. The Philadelphia Soul, the uh Washington Baylor who are looking to repeat, um, the Albany uh Empire. We also have the Atlanta City Blackjacks, the Columbus Destroyers, and the Baltimore Brigade. So we got six teams this year, which means, unlike last year with only four, the talent pool gets a little bit wider. But also, Harrison, there was a lot of major changes this year with a lot of big-name players, you know, going to different teams uh, this year and really, you know, boosting especially the expansion squad. So, Wow. Well, let's let's just talk. Let's just start with the expansion squad first and foremost, Harrison. Um, when we look at when we look at the Columbus Destroyers to start off, what players are you looking forward uh, to watching this season, or you or do you think that people should be paying attention to uh, when the ASL season kicks off in a couple of weeks? So starting off with Columbus, I like that. Um, I really like what Matt Sock did roster wise. Um, the AFL has mm-hmm. this new system where everyone's on a one-year deal. So every year, everyone recycles back into the free agency pool, and you get guys who re-sign right away. It just makes sense to go back to their team. Tommy Grady was the first signing of the year. He went back to Albany. Easy money. You know, Dan back to Philly. Easy money. Stuff like that. Arville back to D.C. Easy. But then you get these moves. You get guys like Nick Scyther who is a guy who's from Ohio, but lost the Gladiators after 17, went out to Albany for a year. But because it's a one-year deal, he's not tied into Albany. He can just make the move back to Ohio, back home to Columbus. And that's an all-arena type mm-hmm. of player. So I love that there's a movement like that. But looking at this Columbus team, there's a few guys that stand out. And really, I love their pass rush. I love Kareem Smith, Derek Summers, Terrence Taylor, and Nick Scyther all in one pass rush. I think that's a great four. I think we started out looking at Kareem Smith. He's 39 years old, but his gameplay really hasn't fell off at all. He's one of the absolute best ever in this league, did very well in the CFL as well. He brings that veteran leadership along with Terrence Taylor and Derek Summers. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, Nick Sather's played three years. He's a veteran in himself. But these other three guys, they have really been around for a significant amount of time in this league. And I think each one of them could have a big season this year. Derek Summers is an absolute beast. He has a fantastic motor. And I know he's from the state of Ohio as well. So this is a great opportunity for him to play in Columbus, play in his home state again. Looking at some younger guys, me and you have texted a little bit back and forth about Gary Brown, a receiver from California, PA. He is an absolute playmaker. Um, 
He was a fantastic returner in college, and I think he had something like 22 touchdowns his senior year of college. He had something ridiculous. He is an absolute playmaker. He was an absolute playmaker at the Division II level, and I could see him doing very, very well if he makes it in camp. Obviously, we're not in camp, so we don't know how he's doing compared to all these other receivers, but just from watching his film, I know he's a very talented receiver, and then obviously, uh, you know, our guy – the, the one, the only, Donovan Morgan, Captain Morgan. I had the pleasure of talking to him a little bit earlier in the off season, and he is really motivated, and he is really fired up to be back on the field. There is no lull in his step, you know, coming out of retirement from two years off, now back. He's ready to go. He's 100%. He wants it all this year. He wants a championship in Columbus. He wants to be the best receiver in the AFL. So he's going to go crazy this year, and he has never had a year under 1,000 yards receiving. I don't expect that to start this year. I expect something closer to 1,500, 1,000-yard range. I mean, he could be anywhere in there. He's an absolute baller. So the only thing that Columbus is really lacking right now is that clear-cut quarterback, and we'll get into the quarterbacks later, but they don't have any veteran quarterback, but it doesn't matter. Zemo's going to get his no matter what. So they're going to be an exciting team. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with you. For Columbus, I had, you know, I had Donovan Morgan and Gary Brown down there, too. You know, like you said, we don't know how, mm-hmm. Brown, how Brown is doing in training camp, but to see him continue to last on the roster to this point in the season, I mean, at this point in the offseason with the regular season coming up on the, on the 26-27, to see him still on the roster on the today's 17th, that's pretty good news, and that's pretty good to see, especially for a rookie. So let's see if he can continue to make that step in. Uh, for me, to, in addition to what you said about uh, Columbus, especially in the defense, one guy I'm looking forward to watching is Varmasoni, who, you know, he's this guy for the playmaker everywhere he's been in the AFL. Every stop, you know, with in Albany last year, you know, with Portland, you know, I think he played with the Predators one year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yep. Varma, Varma's a play, he's a playmaker. And, I mean, even though his stats weren't, you know, tremendous last year, but only 56 and a half tackles and one interception, I'm pretty sure that after he was playing in a star-studded backfield, you know, a mark with uh, – with Mario Norman, I think this year, um, I think he's going to be better. He's going to be paired up with former Philadelphia Soul DB, uh, Larico Stevenson back there. So I think, I think, I think Columbus could have a very good year this year. And I think that for what their offense might be lacking without having that clear cut quarterback, I think their defense is going to carry them a far, far away. I would definitely agree with that. And you touched on Varmasoni. That's a, a great middleman to talk about. He has fantastic foot speed. He gets out of his breaks so quickly, and that's so important when you're playing the middle because a lot of times you're facing the man in motion, and, I mean, a guy has a full running start at you. You have to be able to get out of your breaks very quickly and react on the corner or the post or whatever it is. So Sony was an absolutely fantastic pickup for them, and Larico Stevenson, um, they, they have a lot of talent defensive side of the ball. Larico is a very veteran player. He's an aggressive backside corner, and, I think that was a great pickup just to have a veteran in that secondary, someone who really knows and understands the game and can see the game at a different level like Larico does. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you. And, you know, we're going to go from Columbus now to the other expansion team all the way on the Jersey, on the Jersey Shore, and that is the Atlantic uh, City Blackjacks. New coach, head coach Ron James. He has an interesting squad down there. Not as many big names on the defensive side of the ball, Harrison, but they do got some guys on offense that could be a, that could be, you know, something to watch for uh this upcoming season. Who are your players 
that people should be watching out for uh, with AC? Well, I know Kieran Jones. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with him. He's a really talented guy. He hasn't really fully gotten that opportunity in the AFL yet, but I like that pickup by Ron James. He's a guy who has experience in other indoor leagues, and honestly, that's not a bad thing because the IFL, they have all those crazy, wacky rules with double motions. And I mean, you're never going to see a double motion in the AFL. So if you can cover two guys running full speed ahead of you, you can cover one. So I like to pick up a KJ. LaRoche Jackson is a fantastic LJ. He's a fantastic backside DB. He played for the Sharks for a long time. Um, he's a great backside corner. He is a very physical guy. That was a great pickup for them. Same same type of thing as Larico, just because veteran presence, understands the game. Huge pickup for them. Antron Dillon is a great defensive lineman, another veteran. Um, Lamarck Brown is a really good receiver. Mark Lewis, great kicker to pick up. Ray McNeil, one of the best centers in the league. So, actually, I really like what they put together in Atlantic City as well. Ron James is a veteran coach. He knows a lot of these guys between – whether it's Tampa, back in the day, Pittsburgh Power, spent a year in Portland, spent a time as defensive coordinator in Cleveland. So when you've been around to a bunch of different stops like this, you meet players along the way. You meet a bunch of guys. And that's really what I felt like this team was. I felt like this team was, you know, everyone either Ron James knew or knew about, he put together on this Atlantic City team. And it really was a pretty talented training camp roster. Um, a lot of these young guys, too, Tyrone Laughinghouse, uh, not a lot of AFL people may know about him, but he was actually the NAL's top receiver a year ago with the Carolina Cobras. So Marvin Ross, really good DB, has been in that NAL range, had a little bit of time in the AFL as well. Um, and then quarterbacks, Randy Hippard and Warren Smith, along with Drew Powell, Hippard, AFL MVP, Warren, a guy we've had on the podcast before, and just an absolute baller, has played at so many different levels, but really is finally getting his shot in the AFL now. And then Drew Powell, a guy who was the IFL's MVP and won a championship and then moved out to the CFL. So I, I was very impressed with the Atlantic City roster as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And for AC, I got my eyes on Kendrick Ings, you know, who mm. came on to the scene in AFL back in 2016 with Tampa Bay Storm, and that dude was an absolute a playmaker, if it wasn't receiving the ball, it wasn't kick returns. You know, you had to account for him on the field. Um, I think he spent some time with the brigade last year, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, he also had a cup of coffee um, with the. Uh, he also had a cup of coffee with, uh, with with a couple of NFL teams. I think a CFL team as well. So it's nice to see him get back there uh, in the game, especially with his quarterback and Randy Hippert. or Warren Smith. You know, for them, to, for both of them guys to have a. Have a court to have a quarterback. I mean, a wide receiver like Kendrick Ings, that's just like ten times easier uh, for you. Another guy that I'm looking out for uh, the rookie defensive lineman, Brendan Trail. This was a guy from Norfolk State, six for seven uh, defensive lineman who you know was a monster at uh, at, at Norfolk State. You know, uh, he had 19 and a half sacks, 18 pass defended, uh, eight forced fumbles, five five fumble recoveries, two interceptions. Had a couple of NFL stints, one undrafted in 2015, a couple of NFL stints. Uh, CFL and also the spring the spring league not too long ago. So I'm interested to see what he what what, what uh, Ron James and company can do with him and and trying to get him off you know in a defensive line because unlike Columbus unlike Columbus you would agree with me with this Harrison unlike Columbus it's AC they have 
more room for with the way this team is configured, more room for younger guys to kind of step up and, 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 and create a name for themselves. Definitely, and I haven't been able to check out your guy Linden Trail on film. I'm going to do that as soon as we finish this podcast episode. But off the bat, 6'7", 280 definitely catches my eye. I mean, that reminds me of like a Jake Metz, Teddy Jennings type of frame. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see him. When I'm looking at a young defensive lineman, I really want to see get off for the Arena Football League. It's all about that first step. You know, if the ball comes out so quick. We all talk about Philly and how Dan Rodebarra and Clint Dozell, they run that patent three-step offense and the ball is out of Dan's hands so fast that he doesn't even need a helmet. That I heard that one time on the broadcast. But guys like Linden Trail, <laughs> if you're six seven two eighty and have a fantastic first step and have great get-off and long arms, Sometimes it doesn't matter if they run that three-step. You can find your way back there and just get a hand on the ball like we've seen Mets do so many times or get a sack like we saw Mets and Teddy Jennings do so many times. So I'm going to definitely check out your guy, Linden Trail. And then looking down to the physically unable to perform list, there's a guy on there, Marquez Williams, a fullback from Miami. He is an absolute bruiser with the football in his hand. Absolutely a, a guy hit stick all day. Um, haven't seen his pass blocking that much. Really only saw him in lead blocking type of situations or with the football in his hands. But if he can pass block a little bit, he'd be a great AFL fullback running the ball. He'd be one of the most talented guys with the ball in his hands that we've seen in a while. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And, you you know, we'll see how those two teams uh, perform. It wouldn't be a surprise if one of them make a push for the playoffs. Shoot, both of them can make a push for the playoffs but we'll see how they perform in their opening week games. That will kind of tell us a lot um, about both squads and what direction they plan on They uh, plan on uh, heading towards. Uh, this is the High Motion Podcast uh, with with myself, Joan Alfred, and Harrison Brown of arenafans.com. And since Harrison mentioned it, he mentioned Jake Metz. Why not talk about the Philadelphia Soul? The Soul uh, last year, they made the playoffs despite, you know, suffering – uh, some big suffering, some major injur- injuries to you know Dan to uh, to to Dan Rodaball and Darius Money Reynolds not having such a big year, but seeing guys like Shane Austin step in and pick up and, and you know pick up the reins and guys like Darius Prince and Adam Washa you know come in and just 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 put up tremendous numbers uh, this year. Um, so putting up tremendous numbers. So Harrison, you know when we look at the Philadelphia Soul who are looking. Uh, to rebound and reclaim that championship uh, uh, status, you know what players are you? What players are you looking out for when it comes to the Philadelphia Soul? So I'm really excited for this Soul team. Um, I know they're really new, but I think that's what makes it so exciting. This is Bo Bell's first year as the general manager of the Soul, and I was excited enough as is. But seeing this new roster, it's really going to be our first look into Bo the GM, and I'm super excited for that. Bo is a really smart guy. He always has been. Since they got him in 2015, I was so impressed with the way he practiced and prepared and just the approach he took to the game. I mean, football really was his life when he was playing, and I know it's the same way in the general manager job. I didn't get to chat with him too much this offseason, but we were we were together at a high school football game in October with coffee when they were broadcasting on SNJ today, and I got to talk to Bo a little bit. And, He's super excited for this new opportunity and to get to be able to build this sole roster. And I like the way they, they did it this year. It's new. It really is. It's a new team. They brought back some key pieces. Obviously, Dan Rodeball 
still around, the greatest old quarterback of all time. Number five will be hanging up from the Raptors someday. But he's still here. He's still going to be making all the throws. And the secondary stayed relatively the same, with the exception of Goosby, who went to Baltimore, and Larico Stevenson, who went to Columbus. But Torres Jones is back. He had camp in the AAF with the Birmingham Irons. Uh, Dwayne Hollis was in the AAF for a while with the Atlanta Legends. He's back as well. And then Romaine will play the middle. So it'll be Romaine middle, Jones front side, and then Dwayne Hollis backside. Jack linebacker, I couldn't tell you really with the loss of Goosby and they didn't re-sign Bryce Piela, but I'm sure they'll have someone. I'm sure they've got one of the DBs doing it, one of the taller guys. Um, continuing to look through this roster, I like Patrick O'Brien, the backup quarterback. He's uh, He went to Kettle for college. He had a lot of hype coming out, so I'm excited to see what he could do if he gets, you know, a couple throws in, some garbage time, blowouts, and stuff like that. Darius Prince is obviously one of the best receivers in the league. They just were able to bring him back. That's huge to pair him up with Darius Reynolds, another great receiver in this league. Those two had a great year together last year with Aaron Washa as well. So it's nice to see them kind of have their three. Soul always have their three superstar guys, and then a guy like Lonnie Outlaw, who they have again, who's like 6'6", and can just kill you in the red zone. So, I mean, Arena Football, Goosby said this to me the other night. I did an interview with him for Arena Fan. Arena Football is in rocket science, and it really is true. I mean, when you have a guy who's 6'6", and can jump out of the gym, it makes red zone play pretty easy. You can, you know, throw it up to Lonnie Outlaw, or back in the day, Larry Brackens, or for a little bit, Xavier Boyce, or Keon Lacey, and Preche Rodriguez Mm -hmm. was in Jacksonville for a while. So when you have a guy that tall that can just ball out like that, red zone becomes so easy. So I love what the soul have done. Uh, Darius Prince, Aaron Washa, and Darius Reynolds is such a great starting three in the receiving core. It gives Dan Rodeball all these weapons. And then the offensive line for the soul is always good. They've got Neil Tibbetts back. They've got Adrian Ferns back at fullback. Phillip Keith Manley is going to play the center. And then that last spot, you can go between a few guys. It'll probably be Keith Newell, guy I've long been a fan of with the Soul. So it's new, but it really is the same core that the Soul have with a lot of good young surrounding pieces. I haven't been able to check out every single one of these guys' film, but I'm excited to see what a lot of these young guys do with the opportunities because there's always that one or two rookie who gets his shot on the Soul to start week one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I, I agree with you about Dan. I agree with you about uh, Darius Prince. Like you said, who really blew up on the scene last year right after the season. He was a play, He got the opportunity to go to training camp with the Eagles and then ended up, you know, in the a, having a cup of coffee in the AAF. So, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, was able to capitalize off his momentum and take it to the next level. So it's, it's, glad, it's, it's good to see him, you know, take those opportunities. And, you know, still being able to come back and continue to perfect on the skills to hopefully land another opportunity. And, you know, one more guy that I'm looking forward to watching this season is Jake Metz. You know, Metz last year had 19 total tackles, four tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, three forced fumbles. You know, like you mentioned, without having a guy like uh, Joe Goosby or Justin Lawrence, you know, I think this is now the opportunity for Jake Metz to once again go out and establish and establish himself as one of the better defensive linemen uh, in the AFL, so I'm definitely um, excited to see what he can do. He's had a couple of couples. He had a couple of cups of coffee in the a- in the NFL too. So I'm excited to have him back uh, on the defensive line. So it should be interesting with the Soul. Like I said, the Soul will kick off uh, their season Saturday 
uh, April 27th at 3.30 at the Wells Fargo Center against the Atlantic uh, City Blackjacks. And moving on here, we got a few more teams uh, here before we can drop down to our quarterback rankings. And let's talk about the, the reigning eight Arena Bowl champions, Harrison, the uh, Washington, D.C. Baylor. Uh, this team is very interesting because they finished with the worst record in the league. <laughs> There's no <laughs> sugarcoating that. They were not good at all. But they caught fire at the right moment. You know, they had to go through off. They had to go through the empire to get there, I think. Was it them or was it Baltimore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they beat the empire. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure my memory serves right. But regardless, to get to where they had to get to, it was a tough road for them to get there because they had the worst record in the AFL. But they were able to capitalize with the likes of Armbell Nelson, and now they'll be looking to, they'll be looking to, you know, trying to the repeat, which is not an easy task in the in the, in the AFL or in sports in general. So, uh, what players, you know, should people be looking out for when it comes to the Baylor? Well, I mean, their, their their title run last year, say what you will, they won the championship at the end of the day. So these guys are coming in with a little mm-hmm. bit of an extra confidence and swagger about them, definitely going into the camp no matter what. I mean, I like what they've done this year. I like Alvin Ray Jackson at the Jack linebacker. Obviously, definitely. he's been around. He's been doing this. He is a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's going to help elevate that defense as well as a guy we touched on a little bit earlier in the podcast, but Mario Norman, just so much talent when you think of Mario Norman. I, just, I always think back to those first days with the Cleveland Gladiators, just how dominant he was in that defense with Ron Teleski running the show. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does in D.C. this year. I think that's huge for them. And then after that, it definitely is a younger group. Um, not a lot of guys with a whole lot of experience. Fred Obi has been around the defensive back. James Atoe has been in the league for a few years as an offensive lineman. Philip Barnett has bounced around a lot, but he's a talented receiver. And then James Gordon has been with the Valor, I believe, since the start. He's he's a good linebacker. He hasn't ever taken that step in, you know, that 10-sack direction, but he's one of those guys with a lot of potential, and he could get back there a lot of times and get into a lot of quarterbacks this year. Um, Ishmael Zamora is a really talented guy from Baylor. He has all the talent in the world, but he got into some trouble in college, did some bad stuff in terms of animal abuse with dogs. So never like to see that, but as long as he's, you know, put in his time and changed, I'll be excited to see what he does this year with the Valor. He has a lot of talent, and I I like to give guys second chances, so I'm not going to hold anything against him. I'm very excited to see what he does on the field this year. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think, like you said, the Valor, you know, they're going to definitely have a chip on their shoulder. And I agree on every player uh, that, that you mentioned. Um, like you said, Mario Norman, that was huge, you know, for them. Um, that's a huge pickup for a guy that, you know, had a really good season with the Empire last season, 68 and a half total tackles and three interceptions. A goal with a guy like Armel Nelson, who I still think is underrated in this league and doesn't probably get as much notoriety because he's not really a passer. He's more of a dual threat. So I'm interested to see what he can do in the full season of uh, work. And like you said, uh, wide receiver, I think, uh, Josh Reese, I think that's the guy to look out, out for this season as well. And wide receiver for the Baylor had 67 receptions for 750 yards and 10 touchdowns. I'm expecting that he becomes the number one option without Reggie Gray uh, this season. 
So we'll see what the Baylor can do. And let's talk about their neighbors, uh, the Baltimore Brigade, which they're in a very interesting spot, Harrison. They're, they started off the off season not looking like they were going to field a lot of veterans, but boy, did they load up on the talent <laughs> when they needed huh. when they needed to the most. Start starting with uh, Superman Joe Hills, which was a surprise because if anything, you probably would think Joe Hills would come back to Albany, maybe or maybe go out to Columbus, you know, maybe come to the Soul. But he said, no, I'm taking my talents to Baltimore with the Brigade. Well, I'll tell you this about Baltimore. They really do run a fantastic program there. Um, head coach Omar mm-hmm. Smith does a great job. It's it's similar to how they did it out in San Jose when Darren Arbett was the head coach because obviously Smith was there for so long. It's a fantastic program. Um, like I, I forementioned a little bit, I talked to Goosby earlier in the week, and he was just telling me how great the practices are and how it's super up-tempo. There's a lot of knowledge in the coaching staff and on the team. So I'm excited to see what this Baltimore team does. Like we touched on a little bit, Joe Hill decided to sign with Baltimore. And my, oh, my, that's huge. What an amazing weapon for Shane Boyd to have in Baltimore this year. He is the best receiver in the AFL right now. He's got all the numbers to prove it. And the touchdown streak, I expect it to continue on throughout this whole season. I don't know what it's at right now, but it's something crazy, like over 80 games with a touchdown or something like that. Um, 6'4", has the size, has the talent. He is one of the dudes that I am just like, wow, the NFL missed out on that one. I don't really know how he's not, you know, how he hasn't had any more opportunities in the NFL that he did. It definitely doesn't make sense to me that he never got into a camp, but I mean, that's the NFL's loss, the AFL's game, because he's turned into an absolute baller here. Looking past Hills, um, love the Gooseby signing. Didn't really love that Philly lost him because he's such a good player, but super excited to see what he does there and super excited to finish up this article about him. Dexter Jackson is a really, really good Mac linebacker, and Justin Lawrence is a really, really good nose guard. So they plugged up the middle of the defense with two veterans that they didn't have a few days ago. Those are going to be huge additions for this season. Justin Lawrence was there in Baltimore last year, so it's good that he has some experience working with the team. Joe Powell is an absolutely fantastic, fantastic defensive back. Goosby said it. He thinks he's going to be the defensive back of the year. I won't argue with that. I mean, it's Joe Powell definitely has the talent to be one of the best DBs in this league. And then another DB they have who I'm assuming is going to be the backside corner is Josh Victorian. He's a guy with a lot of energy and a lot of physicality. I like him. I like his game a lot, and I'm excited to see that they brought him back. They re-signed Colin Madsen, an offensive lineman with a lot of experience. Rory Nixon's a really talented fullback who has a lot of date experience dating back to Spokane Shock in 2014. Um, and then it really is going to come down to quarterback play. Um, I like Shane Boyd. He hasn't had many opportunities yet in this league, but he's going to be their guy out there. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, definitely. I agree with every point that you hit on. Uh, for the brigade, you know, I think this season's going to be a, a better season for him. Like you said, another year in the Omar in the Omar Smith regime. You know, you have a nice mix of veteran players with young players. Like you said, Joe Powell. I agree with you. I think he's He's, he's, he's a star in the making in the AFL at DB. I mean, the man had four interceptions last season, which was second most in the in the league, tied with James Romain. 
So I think, you know, guys like Powell and Victorian, who maybe didn't get a lot of shine last year because they were playing, you know, for the brigade, you know, they were playing for them. They didn't get the probably the shine that they deserve. I think this year they will change that completely uh, going into uh, this season. And last but not least, we got to talk about, talk about probably the most talented team in the AFL on the offensive side of the ball, and that is the uh, Albany Empire. You know, Malachi Jones is back. You know, they made another addition at wide receiver with Quentin Sims and the GOAT Tommy Grady is back with his 81 touchdowns and six interceptions from last season. Is there anybody else that I'm missing, Harrison, that we used to be uh, looking out for or, you know, or, hey, this is just the same old Albany Empire. Just want to put up points and well, you got to try to stop them. They've got a lot of talent. I mean, honestly, I think they were the most talented team in the league last year. I think they had the best overall team. And they are, once again, super talented. Uh, I'll start it off with Joe Sykes on the defensive line, AFL defensive mm-hmm. lineman of the year last year. He is still that dude. I mean, I remember when I first started covering the league, talking with Coffee after practice in Philly in 2013 about how Coffee was going to prepare for Joe Sykes. And I just remember Coffee being like, it's extremely hard to prepare for that guy. He's super good. And I was like, well, I mean, there's no way he's that good. I've never seen this Joe Sykes guy. He can't be any- – man, Joe Sykes is that good. Joe Sykes has stayed that good since 2013. I mean – He's seriously one of the best defensive linemen ever in this league, if not the best ever. It's him or Kareem Smith, in my opinion. Those are two top guys, and Uh I I couldn't even pick one of them. They're both so good. But Sykes is going to have another amazing season out of Albany this year. He's an absolute terror. I mean, quarterbacks have had to prepare for him for years. It's just – it's when you face Joe Sykes, the whole game plan is different. The whole approach is different. You have to really factor him in every play because he's such a threat on the defensive side of the ball. But like you touched on, Malachi Jones is back, and we're, uh, you know, not necessarily worried or upset that he wasn't going to be back this year because we all still got to watch him in the AAF, and he was doing his thing out there. He was starting, getting a lot of playing time. It was great to be able to watch him go eat on, you know, quote-unquote a higher level. Unfortunately, that level no longer exists. But he was doing a great job up there, and I'm really excited to see him get a second year in the AFL. This is only his third year of playing indoor football. He played one year with the High Country Grizzlies, and his quarterback out there was Steve Panasuk, a guy we'll definitely have on the podcast a few times this year. But Malachi is so talented, such a good route runner, understands the game so well for only having played three years. I mean, just the way he sees the field, the way he finds opening, he's a different type of receiver than we've ever seen in this league. He's done things that just catch my eye every single weekend. He really could be the face of the Arena Football League if he keeps playing here, but I have a feeling he'll be back in the NFL this summer. So I'm really excited to see what he does. I'm expecting another huge season. Continuing on, though, they have Colin Taylor again. Super good wide receiver, super veteran presence. He's been doing it since his time with the Cleveland Gladiators. Very good pickup for them again with the loss of Joe Hill. He'll supplement right into that number two role with absolutely no problem. He could be a lot of teams number one. You know, if this was a 12-team league, Colin Taylor would be a number one in this league, no question about it. So he has so much talent. I'm excited to see what he does with Tommy Grady again this year. Jordan Mudge is a really good center. Um, I expect they'll put him at center, but I guess you could put him at guard as well. He's had a couple of cups of coffee in the NFL with the Bills, and he was with the Arizona Rattlers back in the day during the Kevin Guy era. 
Mo Ruffins is a fantastic offensive lineman. He'll probably play the tight end spot, and then Ryan Cable play guard with Jeremy Richardson at fullback. So I love the offensive line they put together to help Tommy. They run a lot more five-step than other teams, a lot less of the quick game. You know, Tommy Grady is great when he can really take that huge five-step drop, his six-seven long frame. He's going to get way back in the pocket, and then he can just load his arm up. He is a different throwing motion than a lot of guys. You wouldn't see that throwing motion now. Uh, a lot of the youth coaches and high school coaches, they would have got rid of that throwing motion very fast, but it really works for him because he's so tall and just slingshots the ball downfield to a superstar deep player like Malachi Jones or last year Joe Hill is now Colin Taylor. But they put together a good offensive line to protect him and run that five-step game that Les Moss likes to call as the offensive coordinator out there. And I really like that. Uh, I love Terrence Moore on the defensive side of the ball, a good Jack linebacker. And Albany is going to be one of those teams again this year, man. They they have a lot of talent. It'll be exciting to see how they implement these young guys in. And that's the one thing. I wish there was just a little bit more film from camp so we could evaluate some of these young guys. But that's what makes week one so much fun is we're going to see some new future faces of the AFL. Like, think back to last year. No one was – Malachi Jones week one was in the AAL. And then he eventually found his way to the AFL for week one. But – Malachi Jones' first week of arena football last year was in the AAL in a lower-level league. And then he signed on with the Empire in camp, came out week one of the AFL season, and just went crazy and continued that dominance all year and turned into one of the most fun seasons the AFL has seen in a while. So it's exciting to see these rookies play. It's exciting to kind of find out who's going to be our next Malachi Jones. And the year before that, it was who's going to be our next Shane Carden and you know, it's just going to keep continuing on. And I'm sure that Albany has a lot of good rookies. Rob Keep does a really good job, as well as Les Moss and the rest of that staff. So I'm excited to see what the Empire put on the field this year. Oh, definitely, for sure. And, you know, like you said, Malachi Jones, like you said, the ride that he has had, that he has had, that he has had over the last, you know, season and a half is just remarkable. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. When you see a guy, when you see a guy of his caliber, just continue to rise like that, that means that there's something there. But <laughs> he's really good. I mean, this guy can get vertical in a second. I mean, and, you know, like you said, the AFL, you know, definitely glad to have him back. I'm glad, you know, to see him back in the league because he's just electric. You know, every time you watch an Empire game, you're watching to see if Malachi uh, Jones will score again because he had 29 touchdowns this season. He might break it. He might go for 30. I don't think 30 is off the realm of possibility. <laughs> Since he's already in game shape, I don't think there's out of the possibility. So you know, he we'll definitely, definitely could. What the he, you know, they picked up Quentin Sims too, so we got to factor in that Quentin mm-hmm. Sims and Colin Taylor yeah, are going to get theirs because those are two really good receivers. But I, I agree with you. I don't mm-hmm. see any reason Malachi couldn't get a quick thirty touchdowns this year. He he has so much talent, it, so much talent. The, the, the sky is the limit he for does. Malachi Jones. For sure, and I wouldn't be surprised after this season's over that he gets another NFL look. I'm that serious. I really think so. I I would be be surprised if he didn't, honestly. I really think he'll be back in the NFL this year. Yeah, he'll be better suited uh, for it. So I think that's pretty much all the teams. He just gave you a quick preview of all six teams here on the High Motion motion Podcast here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And before we – wrap up our first episode we do got 
Uh, we got one more topic, one more topic to go for, and that's, you know, talking about this this, uh, this year's, you know, quarterback class. You know, we got six teams this year, which means we got a lot of quarterback talk to happen. But who do we think, you know, what do we think, you know, between one to six who are the, you know, the the, the, the best, you know, who who do we think are the best and who we think that still got work uh, to go, you know, that can be left up to discussion. Um, so, Harrison, you know, when we look at the six teams this year, that means we got six quarterbacks this year. I, I was thinking about ranking them, but I still, but I agree with me. You were talking earlier. I think we can't rank them because there's just too much uncertainty at certain. Yeah, teams. you want to don't know. You wanted to go rank. Don't know I, what. I definitely understand. Right. I def- my bad, but I definitely we got the we got the time no, delay okay. on here, so it's hard <laughs> to tell when you're. T- <laughs> but uh, it's hard to rank these guys because you look at Tommy, Randy, and Dan. And they all have so much mm-hmm. talent. And Randy Hippard's in a new spot, so you have to factor that in as well. Tommy Grady was the MVP last year, but Dan was hurt. So it's hard to put them one to three. If I had to do mm-hmm. it, I guess I would go Tommy, Dan, Randy. But I could really argue Dan for number one. I mean, before he got hurt, he was lighting right. it up. And then when he came back from injury, he was lighting it up as well. So Dan Rodderball is just as good as Tommy Grady. It's really difficult to rank them. And then moving into that back end, Columbus, it's hard to tell what they're going to do at quarterback. We thought they were going to go with Greg McGee. We thought he was going to be their guy. He's no longer there. They placed him on recallable reassignment. So it's going to be Grant Russell or Liam Nadler now. I think just haven't seen most of them. It's hard to judge a guy when you haven't seen them. And when the live bullets come in in their first arena football game, it's going to be a completely different situation. I'm not sure if you remember, but – 2017, the first game of the Valor and the Brigade, first game of the AFL season that year, I went out to D.C. and saw the game, and we saw Chase Cartwright go in live and just have a disaster of a start. I don't even think he made it a quarter. It was like fumble, fumble, pick. Like, it was bad. And then Shane Carden came in the game, another rookie, and he got them right back in the game, made it a game, made it competitive, and didn't lose the starting job for the rest of the year. So rookie quarterbacks, it can be so hit or miss. It can be, wow, this guy's a superstar, like when Warren Smith came in and beat the L.A. Kiss for the shock. Or it can be a Chase Cartwright situation where everything goes wrong, fumbles, picks. There's a lot going on in the arena football game for a quarterback. You have to get the ball out of your hands very fast. You have to time up the center and the high motion um, perfectly. You have to get that constant flow. And you just have to have that demeanor in the huddle. You have to have confidence you have to you know know the plays and all that know the motions know the formation know the defense so a lot going on for an AFL quarterback and Dan Rodderball Tommy Grady Randy Hipper Warren Smith Nick Davila all those other guys they've been through it they've done it before they've dealt with this this is nothing for them they've experienced this Dan's done this in three arena bowls you know so a rookie quarterback like that it's tougher um and then just looking at these other teams I love Arvell Nelson he has so much talent. He's so athletic. I'd probably put him at the four spot if we had to do the rankings, but that's no disrespect towards mm-hmm. him. He is an absolute playmaker. Yeah. He was on the Richmond Rough Riders before he went to the AFL last year, and I had the opportunity. We played them when I was on the, the Jersey Flight, and had the opportunity to watch him live. He's so good. He can just put the ball in windows that you're not expecting him to make those throws, and he just zooms it in there. He has a super strong arm. He's a great quarterback for the Valor. He's he's a huge reason that they went on that run last year and got the Arena Bowl title. So 
He, I'm really excited that he's going to get this full opportunity to be the guy because so many times we've seen Arvo go in somewhere and it's like, yes, this is exciting. And then they'll put him in like Jack linebacker or he'll be the backup quarterback or he'll get traded or released or whatever. But it's just super exciting to see him be the guy somewhere. So really looking forward to him doing some awesome stuff on the field this year. I think he's going to go crazy this year, have a fantastic year, and then in Baltimore, Goosby has all the confidence in the world in Shane Boyd. And I've kind of started to fall on the Shane Boyd bandwagon as well. He hasn't had that opportunity to start besides that one year in San Antonio, but that was amid ownership problems and a constant overhaul of that roster. They were constantly losing guys. You know, I guess guys weren't getting paid. I, I just know there was a lot of stuff going on in San Antonio that year. So for Boyd to finally also get his opportunity to be the full-time starting quarterback is super exciting. Goosby had all the confidence in the world and Shane said he was a great leader, was going to do great things on the field this year, and that they were going to be in a good position with Shane Boyd quarterback. And it's a similar type of thing. He, even though he hasn't been playing, he understands this game so well. He's worked with Nick Davila for like two or three years. He's worked uh-huh. with great quarterbacks and great coaches for a long majority of his career and he's just been around for so long. He's not going to have any of these mishaps like, oh, fumble snap, oh, a miscount on the motion, oh, whatever. You know, and there's going to be confidence in that huddle. He has Joe Hills to throw the ball to now, for God's sakes. Like, they have the talent that on that team. Really <laughs> that definitely does make life a lot easier. So I'm really excited to see what Shane Boyd does with his opportunity in Baltimore. I think it's dope that he's finally getting that opportunity at 36 to be the full-time starter. Hey, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, like you said, we can't rank the quarterbacks. Now at the midseason, we can definitely rank them. Midseason points, we will okay, definitely I have agree quarterback ranking. I we'll, agree with that. We can do it because Because, right, because we'll, at least we'll have a good sample size of who's doing what, what's the quarterback situation, because you just don't know. Like you said, we know what's going to happen in Philly. We know what's going to happen in Albany. We know what's going to happen in D.C. We know what's going to happen in Baltimore. We have an idea what's going to happen in A.C., but we just don't know what's going to happen in Columbus. You know, will Columbus, you know, roll, 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 roll the tires on a Liam Nattler or, you know, or Grant Russell or, you know, will, you know, a guy like Darren Thomas, you know, get released in, 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 in D.C. And, and, land mm-hmm. in, and, land, and land in Columbus. That's a possibility. Or Jared Evans. You know, is there a possibility that he could go to Columbus or, but he's a rookie, so again, you're saying position. Or there's a guy like Drew Powell, who you mentioned Harrison before, in AC, does he not make the roster, but he goes to a situation in Columbus where having already indoor experience in the IFL and land there. So it's a myriad of opportunities to see who's going to be the starting quarterback in Columbus. Not to mention, St. Austin's phone isn't turned off. I'm sure the teams have been calling him. I'm sure someone has reached oh, out sure. to St. Austin. Oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. was he good last year. That 10-touchdown game at Albany, I, I know before that, before that he re-signed with, well, he started off with the Valor and then he came to the Soul, but before that, I think he had been retired. I don't think he had ever had plans of playing again. So maybe that was just a one-time mm-hmm. thing, but, man, he would be fun to see in Columbus. That's that's something that I've yes, had up since like the first day Columbus came in, just from all those fun years with the Gladiators. He would be a lot of fun to see mm-hmm. in Columbus, but he might be done playing. But like you mentioned, those three names right there, those have kind of been the three names that me and Joe Vaughn have been texting about all offseason, just of, well, ever since free agency happened, just of the quarterbacks that we're excited about. 
And I really want to touch on Gerard Evans, the Virginia Tech gunslinger. I, I watched his film with specifically arena football in mind when he signed, because obviously I'd seen him play before, but I'd never thought, well, how would he do in the arena football league? And I looked at his throwing motion, and he has such a quick throwing motion. And I'm not sure how it's going to be affected when he goes under center, but his throwing motion from shotgun was very quick. He gets the ball out of his hand. It's a precise throwing motion. It's quick. I love that because you have to get the ball out in this league so fast. There are defensive linemen like Joe Sykes, Jake Metz, Kareem Smith coming after you on every play. Every single team has a good D lineman this year. There is no getting around it. So I love that he gets the ball out quick. I think he's going to have to sit some this year behind Shane Boyd, definitely at least week one. But having not seen any camp, having not, you know, no other expertise on the quarterbacks in Baltimore, I would expect him to be the backup quarterback. A lot of talent, and I really would love to see him turn into one of those AFL quarterbacks. I would love for him to be our next, like, I mean, St. Carden didn't stay in the league long, but remember that hype for him. I would love that for to transfer over to Gerard Evans this year. I totally agree, totally agree with you. So, I mean, hey, we'll see it all unfold coming up in nine, nine to ten days. The 26th and the 27th, that's when week one of the ASL season kicks off. Like we said, um, you got you, – you, you have uh, starting off, you got uh, – what's that game? You got D.C. versus Baltimore, excuse me. Then you got A.C. versus Philly and Columbus versus Albany. All should be great games for the first – uh, for the first weekend uh, uh, docket of games, so it should be fun to see that. Hopefully, we'll be able. Hopefully, there'll be a way that we can watch all these games, you know, and 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 be able to watch and check out the great play this season. Hopefully, you'll be able to check them out as well, because it should be an, a tremendous season. But that's going to wrap up our first ever edition of the High Motion Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Joe but also make sure you follow. Harrison Brown on Twitter at, as well. It is at Harry Brown Russo on Twitter. He's writing for Arena Fan this year, covering the AFL. Harrison, uh, anything you got? Anything coming up for us uh, on Arena Fan? Uh, the Joe Guzzi article is coming out very, very soon. I'm putting the finishing touches on it. I'm going to send it into the editors. That's a really fun article, man. Guzzi doesn't get enough love in this league. I was really thinking about it. He's one of the best Shaq linebacker ever, and I feel like I always hear about other guys. So I was really excited to write about Goosby's story and what led him to go to Baltimore and what led after seven years in Philly the move to Baltimore. And it's a great answer for it. He just wanted to recharge, refresh, and I think he's getting that, and I think he's going to have a great season. So I got that coming up. And other than that, I'm just going to keep doing some feature pieces. I'll probably do some game day pieces. Nothing too crazy. Just looking to have a, a fun year covering the AFL, get some more material out, and continue doing these podcasts with you, man. We're going to get some guests on here in the coming week. I've got a lot of buddies in this league who are in different spots, and we'll have a bunch of random guests on, and I'm sure Coffee will come on. Uh, like I said, Steve Panasonic, a former quarterback for the Gladiators, a good buddy of mine. We worked together last year on an indoor team he was the quarterback of, so he'll definitely be on a few times, and just looking forward to watching some Marita football, man. It's probably my favorite sport, honestly, as nerdy as that sounds to say. I just love the gameplay. I love the motion. I love the defensive linemen. I love the tight end eligible screens, the fullback runs. and It's just a fun league, and it's just fun gameplay. That, that's 
guys going over the wall, huge hits. It's it's a really good time to come out and watch an arena football game. So I just love watching football. So I'm looking forward to this season. Definitely. It should be a fun season. And you already know where you can check this stuff out at here on the High Emotion Podcast and also on arenafan.com. And also there'll be some stuff on totalsportswild.com as well throughout this season. So until next time, for me and Harrison, everyone have a good one, and we will talk to you guys very soon. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one, everyone.